This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, and I'm able to kind of lay back and take it easy today because David Moore is not in the studio. However, he does join us on the telephone, and and we also have another frequent guest, Evan Grant, uh, who is in the studio with us today. So anyway, David... This is my natural TV face. Yeah, that's, it doesn't get any better. So uh, uh, David is at home uh, talking to roofers. Uh, and so how's it going there, David? I'm so happy not to be with both of you in studio. <laughs> that you'll actually spend the day with a roofer? <laughs> <laughs> so, David, you going for the composite or the shaker? Which, which way are you going with them shingles? <laughs> Well, we're going to work through all that, but I'm uh, I'm confident we'll come to a uh, good solution here. Don't don't get white shingles. Don't do that. <laughs> that's not a good look, you don't think? Not a good look. It holds up well. No, it that's hold a, up to the elements. That's something from the 40s. Don't do that. Nobody wants that. <laughs> so, David, uh, the Cowboys are back, baby. They are back for a few days, sure. Let's see what you're saying after the Atlanta game. But if, if you want to go with their back, uh, let's go with that. Well, let me just tell you this. Let me just say this about that. Let me explain to you how big this Cowboys comeback is. <laughs> this is going to be good, Dave. I don't know if you knew this. Because both Kevin Sherrington and Evan Grant have been enlisted to cover the Cowboys this week. What? Yeah, we're both going to wow. be there. That's right. How about that, huh? At, at this game in Atlanta, that's quite a, that's quite quite the throng that we're sending down there. Yeah. Well, as Kevin likes to call it, it's another boondoggle for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Evan's always going somewhere. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna be there. We're gonna we're gonna see firsthand how well this team's doing. I gotta tell you, I was maybe I, we should do a live ballsy from the press box. No, let's not do that. Yeah, let's do one. No, let's not do it. Brian's not going to be on board with that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure the press box contingent would, would appreciate that effort on our part. Yeah, that's probably right. So, David, uh, what was the difference for you in, uh, on Sunday in Philadelphia where the Cowboys won their first road game of the season uh, and had looked so miserable the week before against Tennessee, which I guess should I should point out beat the Patriots by 24 points, so the Cowboys were actually yeah. doing better than the Patriots. Oh, there's that logic. Yeah. It, it does put that loss to Tennessee in a little bit different light. Yeah. You're not as dismissive of the Titans as you were going into that game when you see what they did to uh, what they did to New England. But that being said, that didn't, that didn't apply to what the Cowboys didn't do in that game to allow it to get away from them and lose it in, in a game they had to win. Uh, the difference, I think that uh, um, 
you know, and I think you actually saw elements of this in the in the Tennessee game, and we talked about it how the passing game was starting to look a little bit more efficient, um, and, and and I think this was the most balanced their offense has been all year. Uh, I think while it's it's only a two game sample size, and I understand uh, you shouldn't draw any uh, overriding conclusions from that. Uh, it appears Amari Cooper's really made a, a, a significant impact uh, positively on, on this offense. Um, you know, he's come in, I think he goes beyond the numbers of the two games. I think he has like 11 catches for 133 yards and a touchdown. But 10 of those receptions have uh, gone for first downs, uh, which already puts him second on the team for the season in just those two games as far as receivers. That's remarkable. Uh, and, and the number of receptions going for first downs. Uh, Dak Prescott has thrown for 70, completed 70% of his passes in these last two games. He was operating at 62.1% before Amari Cooper came in. And, look, there, there are a lot of elements that go into third-down conversions, but um, part of it is you have to have players out there who you need to account for whether or not they get the ball, and that usually improves your third-down conversion rate. Well, the Cowboys were converting third downs at a dreadful 38, 31.8% uh, before Amari Cooper got here. Since Amari Cooper's gotten here, they're at 48.1%. So uh, I think he has brought a little bit of balance to this offense and, and a threat. And, look, I, I hesitate to throw out this number because the, the, the Dennis Bryant Society, which is a very vociferous uh, group, any, any stat that you bring up that does not underscore how great Des Bryant was at his peak, these people tend to jump on you right away to say that you're a Des Bryant hater, which is not the case. But even with all of that, I will risk that and throw out this number, that Amari Cooper had 75 yards receiving in that win over Philadelphia Sunday night in, at Lincoln Field. How many games last year did Des Bryant have of 75 yards or more receiving? Two. I'm going to say two. I'm going to say one. Slice that in half and you'll be correct. One. I was right. I said one. He had only one game last year of 75 or more, of over 75 yards receiving. So in two games here, you've already it, – it, it's just striking to me to, uh, to see the routes that he's run. You know, you don't. You no longer hear like, well, they need to move him around. They need to scheme him to get him open. They do move him around. He's at X at one play. He's at Z at the next. Uh, five snaps later, he'll be coming out of the slot. He runs good routes from each of those. Uh, he's he's really uh, an ideal fit for what the Cowboys want to do offensively. Now that doesn't mean they've arrived by any means, but at least I, I think there's a a flicker of hope offensively, and, and uh, there wasn't much of a flicker for most of the season. Yeah, here's the, the thing that I noticed in that game, and, and of course, you know, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be for everything you just said because I've I've been on board with the Omari Cooper thing from the very beginning, even before the beginning. Oh, did you write that? I did write Evan, that. Did, did you see, Evan, did you see anything that Kevin wrote about that? No, but I, I do know that Kevin has, sent, uh, Kevin has said the Cowboys should have Amari Cooper since I think he was in fourth grade. Yes, that's right. <laughs> So the, the point is is that in a game where Connor Williams did not even play, and they're starting left guard, uh, in a game where they're still continuing to miss Travis Frederick, and then in a game where Zach Martin missed 
a portion of it, uh, at least, with a look yeah, like thirteen snaps. Thirteen snap, a knee problem. That uh, Zeke Elliott had one of his best games of the year, or his best game of the year. So, uh, you know, they were having all these troubles before with their offensive line, and their running game is going nowhere. And, and you know, and in that game, even though Zeke looked terrific, you know, I don't think there's any question that you, you saw running lanes in that game. You did not see running lanes in some of the, uh, these other games. And and I I have to believe that's because this team you know you're watching when you're watching on TV you're not seeing the all twenty two so you don't know exactly what the secondary looks like but it certainly seems like that they were they were not able to load the box oh this is the Colombo effect the Colombo effect oh the Mark Colombo yeah no I don't I don't think that Mark I think you were talking about the, uh, the detective uh, <laughs> uh, that that no I don't think this is the new offensive line coach is having that much impact oh I, yeah I oh. do think that that this is a deal where. You're simply having to account for another guy here, and this guy is a threat. And 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 we saw that in that game. I thought as as well as Amari played, uh, Dak missed him on that on that throw. Well, I guess he missed him on two throws going up the sideline, but one in and one in particular. That's a touchdown if he hits him. Uh, and uh, and th- that is the danger of this guy. You know, it's, it's kind of a rare thing uh, to have a wide receiver that's at his size with his speed. And runs routes the way he does, and, and and I think one of the things we also heard from a lot of people, a lot of fans, was that oh, he drops the ball all the time. How many drops has he had since he's been with the Cowboys? None, none, zero drops. So the the, the question is, and and I think that one of the things that they have said about Amari was that it, you know his concentration on catching the ball is not always as good as it should be. I know that sounds stupid to say. You're a wide receiver, catch the ball. Uh, but he's always looking for yards after catch, and so he's 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 usually kind of taken off before he's he's looked that ball all the way in. But I think he has had a dramatic impact on this offense. I would expect that would continue to be the case. Um, and 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 in this offense, and, and, and I think we all felt like this was probably what was going to happen. The seventy-five yards is probably going to be about standard. He's not going to put up a lot of 130, 140-yard games. I think that in this offense it's, that is still very run-based, uh, that 75, 80, 90 yards a game, if he can do that, that's probably going to be good enough. Well, and that's what we're talking about. And then this gets back to everyone always argues, well, you know, Dak Prescott doesn't throw for 300 yards. You know, To me, there's kind of a sweet spot when you're, when you're a running team like Dallas you still have to kind of hit a sweet spot as far as your passing game in order for your run game to really have an impact. Right. And, and to me, uh, it's in that it's, it's around 270 yards. It's in that 240 to 270 yard passing range. If you're doing that and completing 70% of your passes and, and managing the clock and getting first down, to me, that's a pretty good number to have, and that plays off of what you're getting in the running game. And uh, but but you have to be in that area consistently. You know, I you can get by with a game where you throw for 188 or 210 and and still win big because you you know got some turnovers you capitalized on or, or Elliott broke off a, a couple of big runs on on a screen or something else. But um, and, and that's what that's what Prescott has been these last couple of games and. Uh, these are his best back-to-back games as far as quarterback ratings, as far as completion percentage. Um, you look at you look at all the numbers, and uh, he, to me, this is the court type of quarterback you can win with. And and you you talk about the throws he missed early in the game to Cooper. Um, you know, there there was another one uh, that that he could have had, and 
and uh, didn't look all that good throwing the ball early. But but I go back to his rookie season. How often when they went 13-3 and three and they, they ripped off the 11 straight wins that rookie season, were we sitting there midway through the third quarter saying, you know, Dak Prescott really doesn't look that good right now. I wonder, I wonder if we're starting to see this is, you know, this is the rookie we're starting to see where, you know, showing up. And then you'll look up at the end of the game, it'll have two touchdown passes, uh, no turnovers, and throw for 280 yards and, and lead like a key drive to ice the game. Uh, to me, that was the Dak Prescott you saw in the Philadelphia game. Uh, didn't, you know, miss some throws early. You're kind of going, ah, oh, well not bad, but I don't, you know, he's going to have to do something here. And then he leads back-to-back 75-yard touchdown drives in the in the fourth quarter. And he wasn't just out there on the field handing the ball off to Elliott, letting him do all the work. Uh, he had five completions on those two drives of, of 13 yards or more. He was making some really good throws and some really good reads and getting the ball to the right people. So, uh, yeah, I, I think even with the sacks that are continuing at too high of a rate, uh, I think you've seen a more confident and consistent uh, Dak Prescott over these last couple of games. Yeah, I think that that has uh, excited him, uh, the ability to, to, to look for Amari um, uh, uh, Cooper out there. I, I think because he knows he's going to get open, and he likes that. So I think it has helped his confidence. And now you see Cole Beasley back into the game plan, too. He was, he was almost a non-factor uh, in the first game after the bye against Tennessee. After the trade. And he knows who has had, has had more of an impact is Alan Hurts. Yes, you know what? I, uh, I tell you Hurts what. Is showing up and making some big plays here over these last two games. And and it's no coincidence that's with uh, Cooper coming in here. And and really what you have now, you probably have you have Hearns in the role that ideally uh, maybe the you know Cowboys over-projected what he should be. He's kind of their fourth receiver now because there, there are three guys on the core of the rookie Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and Cole Beasley. Those are their primary three. And then you work Hearns in on some uh, different situational things and get him 20 to 25 snaps a game. And he's been a much more productive player in these last two games with that workload than than what we had seen earlier in the season. So would you say now, uh, because of that, because of the impact that Cooper has made, and I I agree with you about Hearns, Hearns looks much better in his role now, um, that – uh, the, the, of course, they're still minus at tight end. Uh, they don't have that replacement for Jason Witten. But how would you rank uh, this receiving core, including the tight end uh, position, um, since, let's say, uh, Dez's last great season in 2014? Well, there, like I said, it, it has only been two games, but your eyes are just drawn to – Myonar, at least, to Cooper and how he runs routes and, and how he gets open and, and all of this stuff about how you have to scheme him open. You don't have to scheme him open. He just runs his routes and gets open, <laughs> and he does it with different routes. It's not like he has one route uh, that you keep going to. He's, we've seen him do the slants. We've de- seen him do the, uh, uh, the deep nine routes. We've seen him do the crossing routes. Um, you know, we were talking about the first downs he picked up in that game. I think there was a third and seven. They gave him a short one out on the side. Uh, he got hit at four yards and hit really good, uh, and and he bounced off of it and spun out of it and was able to get the first down. So you you see, uh, you know, the getting some yards after a catch and not just catching it in stride and going, also being able to make some when you need to. 
Um, yeah, you know, his, his yards after, it, cat, it, or after it, contact were very good. I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think, look, I really like Michael Gallup, and you're starting to see some things from him. They, they used a couple of bubble screens with him uh, in this last game that were really effective, which they hadn't used before with him. And I, he made an out. Look, it, this was one of the one of Dak's bad throws. It, it was a late throw on the sideline, but Michael Cooper went up, contested, and made a spectacular leaping catch along the sidelines. Uh, You're thinking of Michael Gallup? Yeah, yeah, to Gallup. Because yeah, it was out of bounds and it was incomplete because Dak threw it too late. But it was a spectacular catch. So at the moment, I in any way, shape, or form, to certainly the production you were getting in 2014. And back then, Terrence Williams was giving you some good, some good juice, right. as the receivers like to say, as the second, uh, the second guy there. So it's not to that level, but you keep Cooper in place with Gallup's development, and you already know what Beasley can do. And I think Jeff Swain's been pretty good. Now, I would also say if you spend a second-round pick on a tight end, uh, to, to kind of expand this thing in the offseason. Uh, right now, I think Dallas' receiving core is still in the bottom third of the league. But I, I think this time next year, you could be saying it's in the certainly in the upper half of the league and, and it's on the rise. Let's let's flip over to the other side because uh, I thought that we we saw some things uh, from the from the defense and from, from some players in particular. I think that uh, I did not actually see this. I was told that that Tony Dungy said uh, before the game, and certainly you know Tony's a great guy and great you know was a great coach, he's a Hall of Fame coach. You know he's he's terrific. Uh, but he was one of the things he said was he he didn't feel like there were enough um, impact players. You know not enough talent at some of these positions. And I and, and you know. I'm not going to argue with Tony about football, but I'm going to say that I think that uh, there are some re- there are some budding stars on this defense, and and these are these are things we could not say before. It used to be Sean Lee and a bunch of guys, and now you've got Demarcus Lawrence, who's a, who's a, a big time pass rusher. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, Byron Jones, uh, Pro Football Focus, says he's playing better than any other cornerback in the league. Uh, we have seen. Uh, the development uh, at linebacker of Jalen Smith to become uh, the player. He's getting closer anyway to the player the Cowboys hoped he would be. And, and then, of course, Leighton Van Der Esch was just tremendous uh, in that game, uh, playing a, a full game because of the injury to Sean Lee. 13 tackles, an interception, and, and maybe one of the game-saving plays late on that tackle where he slipped two, two blockers uh, to make the tackle on a play. Um, is First of all, I guess I want to ask you, is Sean Lee, he's supposed to be out four to six weeks. Have we seen the last of Sean Lee this season? And uh, and what is his future with the Cowboys if they see this kind of development from Leighton Van Der Esch? Oh, I think that uh, Lee will come back late in the season, uh, play the final two games. Uh, or, or a chance three, like I said, it's four to six weeks. But given the, the earlier injury that kept him out three and, and he's still still dealing with this, uh, I would lean toward the six, but uh, Sean Lee's going to come back out and get on the field this season, and, and I know a lot of people on the outside would go, well, why in the world would you want to keep subjecting yourself to this? Um, well, he knows once this is gone, he, he won't have it back, and, and he's really willing to put up uh, with all of the, of the constant rehab to, to stay on the field, while also recognizing that you know what, I've reached the stage now, and there are some players in place here 
where I'm going to have to be the complimentary player. Uh, I missed too much time. I'm, I'm coming back. Uh, they're producing. I'll just come in and fit in and, and help out, and it'll just make our overall defense better. Um, but, but I think Sean Lee could actually uh, accept that sort of role given uh, the respect he has and, and the high level of performance you're seeing from Leighton Van Der Esch and, and Jalen Smith. So um, I, I think that Sean Lee will probably play at least one other season, but I also think that uh, he, he will sit down and, and have a long, hard look at the end of this season about whether or not he should continue to play. But, but my belief is he'll try to extend it at least another season uh, unless, this, uh, unless he comes back and this hamstring gives him a problem again. And now suddenly you're looking at, well, this is going to be potentially, what, 13 games just in the last two seasons of missing with a hamstring. Uh, can I continue to play? So it's uh, if he comes back and the left hamstring doesn't bother him once he does come back, I, I think he will look for reasons to come back next season, not reasons to uh, end his career. David, uh, Van Der Esch has certainly um, performed outstanding uh, really all year, but I, I think he's even kicked it up a notch. But was there... Was there a point uh, during the year where you questioned the idea of whether the Cowboys should have gone Vander Esch or a wide receiver? And, and I'm asking this because uh, in, in Atlanta this week they'll play one of the guys who would have been available in, in Calvin Ridley. Yeah, and that was a big discussion. Should you go Ridley? Would he have given you more of an impact? Um, but because they because they were unable. I, Look, they made the decision not to sign Anthony Hitchens. I understand that based on the money he got. But but I always thought Anthony Hitchens was a vastly underrated player for what he gave this defense. Uh, when when they lost Anthony Hitchens in free agency, I understood the reason on them going with Leighton Van Der Esch in the first round because I, I thought they lost one of their better defensive players and had no one position to take his place. So I So I understood that. And I felt that, look, as good as Anthony Hitchens was, if you're drafting a linebacker in the first round, that talent uh, should give you more of an upside than Hitchens, who was taken in the fourth. Now, it doesn't always work out that way, uh, but, it, but at least the initial assessment is you're getting a more talented player than the one you lost. Uh, so all of that made sense to me, but, but it made sense to me because – you know, I, I felt they would get a, a receiver down the line, and I thought Gallup would fit in there. And, and, and my perception was always that, that Gallup and uh, Alan Hearns were going to be able to more than replace what they lost with Des Bryant. So since they got a good young receiver uh, high, uh, like they did in Gallup, I, w- I was content. I, I thought that, well, this does make sense because uh, this combination of the veteran and the rookie uh, you're still developing Gallup, but Hearns is going to be a guy you can lean on. So sure, go ahead and take Van Der Esch there in the first. Um, all of that made sense, but it was predicated on I thought Hearns would do more for them than what he did. Uh, because Hearns got off to such a uh, – because Hearns hasn't been that player for them, I, I think that should they have gone Ridley, it's even stronger and even more justified. But I will say that I, I think the way Van Der Esch has played – and the development you're seeing from Gallup, I think, um, offsets that. And I will also say it's very interesting that uh, Amari Cooper, who is now in his fourth year in the league, is the same age as Calvin Ridley at 24. 
now. Uh, I think Ridley's a few months younger, uh, but they're both 24. So Ridley comes into this age, this league as an older player. So uh, the, the fact they were able to get Cooper, I, I think they spun out of this and made the right move. Um, but, yeah, it, it, that was that was an interesting debate and one that's going to uh, come up again this week. Yeah, I, I was remember at the time, for a while there, I was kind of high on them going after Ridley. Uh, then he didn't have a great combine. His measurables weren't quite as good uh, as the guy you'd want to take uh, uh, in the first round, or at least that high in the, in the round. And DJ Moore's name also came up. Uh, but really, I, I kind of swung over to Der- the whole idea of Derwin James, uh, who is, uh, you, you know, the safety from Florida State and, uh, and who's had a, a, a great uh, season for uh, – Fantastic first season, yeah. Yeah, so uh, – I, I, I'll tell you I, what, I, I don't know that Leighton Van Der Esch's season is much different from, as far as impact on what he's had. No. Uh, Derwin James has, has, has started more. Uh, but but Van Der Esch has played quite a bit. He's made some. Uh, he certainly made some high profile plays in this game, and, and has a few others sprinkled through throughout. And uh, you know, again, what's impressive about him too is is he, he makes some mistakes out there, but his speed and athletic ability allows him to compensate for it and still make the play. And you know, I, to me, this is a big sign. Earlier in the season, he was still getting a lot of tackles, but a lot of them were coming you know, four or five yards past the line of scrimmage. Now he's still getting those tackles, but they're a couple of yards from the line of scrimmage, or they're behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Uh, so you can tell this recognition is getting better. He's getting there quicker. And I'll tell you what, him and him and Jalen Smith play really well off of each other. You know, I, I was talking to Sean Lee, and he, he was talking about uh, how impressive Leighton is that uh, he knew his playbook, and, and really when he went into training camp, he knew exactly where he needed to be on every play. And, and, and Sean Lee was talking about how unusual that was. And uh, he, he's actually, you know, he spent a lot of time uh, helping Leighton Van Der Esch because Leighton Van Der Esch wants to be helped and he, he wants to be uh, a special player in this league. And you're seeing uh, some signs and early signs and some qualities in him that, that let you know that, that he can be a special player. Yeah, you know, he, physically, he reminds me of linebacker. He's such a big guy. He reminds me of Rolando McLean physically. I mean, yeah, uh, he, does. he hits yeah, he's a bigger he, guy. The bigger guy, he hits like that. Uh, you know, for all the faults that Rolando McLean had, uh, boy, when you, when he hits you, you stay hit. Uh, and, and, that, and it's interesting. One of the questions on Leighton Van Der Esch was, well, he's athletic, he looks really nice, but he's he's not a real physical guy. He's not a thumper. Uh, he's more of a finesse tackler. Um, I, I don't know that I would call him a finesse tackler from what he's seen. I mean, he's not a guy that lowers the boom, but he's a guy that in position wraps up and he doesn't let guys get away from him. Right. So uh, to me, that's a, a pretty good tackler. You, I don't, you don't have to you don't have to hammer somebody with no, every hit. No, just and, and no. I, I, I thought he was going to stay on the field if you do that. You uh, yeah, I just I mean, my impressions of him obviously are more rudimentary, but I just think he's. Uh, What's the right word that I'm looking for here? I I, I think he's just a sophisticated David, tackler. David, you're a sophisticated tackler. Yeah. I, think, I think that was in an album by uh, by <laughs> Ellen Fitzgerald. Fleetwood Mac, sophisticated <laughs> tackler. I think that was Jeff Tweedy before his world cup. You listen, David. You should hear Christine McVie on that. It is just oh my gosh. You, but no, I mean, I, to me, sophisticated tackler suggests a, a guy who has some technique, has some ability to to read plays. 
and isn't just relying on blue, no he, he he's he's very much he's very he's like a big sean lee is what he looks like to me i mean he he really uh his ability just that the play he made late in the game where where he slips two players on the screen that, that you know there there are two guys out there and and i and i saw that and that somebody had in the, in the nfl's next gen stats that that play was should have gone for 22 yards uh according to what the projections are and, and at that point in the game yeah because that play was set up he was the only guy over there that play was set up right there were, there were all philadelphia players over there they had a wall i mean if you're not able to get through there that play is going to probably cost a big yardage yeah right? so so he's doing a really good job. So my my point about this is is that I think there are players on this defense. I think they're young. And I think that they don't have a lot of experience, but I think they have a lot of talent. You know, uh, and we haven't seen that kind of talent on this defense in a long time. Uh, not not the number of players before when Rob Marinelli was was making some inroads with this defense. It was a lot of smoke and mirrors, and I, I think you're seeing a lot less of that now. I think these are just guys who can make plays. So that's and that's the thing that, that that tells me that this Cowboys team has underachieved, you know, because they certainly have players on offense. We know that uh, they've got now. If you count Travis Frederick, that is three off three first round picks in the offensive line, a first round pick at running back, and a first round pick at wide receiver now. So that's that's five first round picks on the on the offense. And then you look over on the defense and look at what all those guys are now doing that we've already spelled out and the kind of seasons that they're having. I don't know that there's a lot of teams in the league that can say we have this much balance, but potentially. Now, it hasn't been put out there every week. They haven't done it every week. But that's, to me, some of the indictment of Jason Garrett is that when are you going to put this together? Because this game in Philadelphia, I think, is closer to being what the Cowboys really are than what they showed against Tennessee. And if they can continue to show that, what they did against Philadelphia, I think this team has a very good chance of winning the division and, and maybe even a shot at doing something once it gets into the postseason. Well, if, uh, they're, if they're going to win the division, they, they meet. They have to win in Atlanta yeah. on Sunday. They have to come back and win at Washington on Thanksgiving Day. That would give them a three-game winning streak, put them one game over five hundred with a date against New Orleans. Now, I don't know of anyone who believes they're going to be the Saints. No. So now that drops you back to 500. But to me, they have to get, they have to win these next two to put together a three-game winning streak going into the New Orleans game. No question about it. If they don't do that, I don't know that they're a viable contender for the division. And look, they, they, they have to beat Washington. There's just no other way around that. They're two games behind them at the moment. Uh, they've already lost to Washington. Um, but, but to me, if, if you don't beat Atlanta, I don't know. Look, you know, coming out of that Washington game, I thought it was already pretty clear that out of out of Tennessee, uh, Philadelphia, and Atlanta, at the bare minimum, they had to win two out of three to really be in this mix, a legitimate contender in the mix going forward. They lost the first one to Tennessee, which left them no recourse but to win in Philly and Atlanta. And now that Washington, even though it's beat up, has been able to maintain this two-game lead, they're going to have to beat Washington as well. Uh-huh. They were going to have to win that one anyway since they lost to them. But, I mean, uh, so, so yeah, th- this is the crucial stretch. We're going to find out, uh, you know, we saw God, I'm so tired of hearing game. we're going to find out. You are? Well, but, but you will. I mean, it, 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 when Thanksgiving is done, we're going to know whether this team has a legitimate shot to win the division or if it's just playing out the string and waiting to see what the off-season changes are. But Thanksgiving, uh, I'm, I'm Thanksgiving week is that. week 
12 or week 13? Well, why do you care? Uh, what are we? This is we're in week uh, 10 now. It'll be week 11. Be week 11. Something like that. Your point, Evan. Well, my my point is, I mean, <laughs> I I like to I know I like to know the name of the week. Oh my gosh! Kevin, Just move name. on. We got to wrap this up. But Evan, let's I go. mean, my point on all that is still that I mean, we never know okay, what this, this is cowboy. Week 11. It will be week twelve. It will be week twelve if that helps orient you. Okay, I mean, Thanksgiving week. It's yeah. the same thing year after year with this team. Is it? That's we're true. waiting until week twelve, week thirteen, week fourteen to find out. Who this team is, yeah, um, and it's like they don't ever. I mean, there was more desperation of their play calling this past week than there was previously. Tried and to go for it on fourth down. Jeff Swain jumped, they, uh, so then they and then they went for it on the the fake punt. They just don't, you know, they don't seize the advantage to really create any kind of separation between themselves and and, and other teams and. That I think just comes back to the whole idea of where does the problem lie? Does it lie with the coach? Does it lie with the GM? Evan's taking a break well, here. The, the, the problem this year was, I mean, the, the the offense was not allowing them to win. They have one of the better defenses in the league. They have one of the better ground games in the league. Uh, really, top five in both categories: running game and, and, and defense. And. You know, their offense was so ineffective, it was dragging down the whole thing, which is interesting because for years, what's the template been? You know, as the season wears along, the run game and the defense, defense, that's how you win championships. But but league rules are changing, and I argue that that's been out the window for several years, besides several examples. But, uh, you know, the passing game was such a poor, it was at such a poor spot. And, and that goes to the personnel decisions made in the offseason. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it was the wrong decision uh, to part ways with Des Bryant. How they how they went about having the receivers in place to compensate for his loss was the mistake, not letting him go, yeah. in my mind. So uh, there were some bad personnel decisions in the offseason. And, uh, and look, I – and and that extends to also the coaching staff. Um, you know, they knew Paul Alexander had a different sort of scheme than, than what they've had in here. Um, why did they allow him to tamper with that? And then, then when you lose Frederick on top of it, I think it threw him for a loop. But, but we've seen that this team uh, under Jason Garrett gets something in its mind on how it wants to go about and do its business. And they're more likely to change too late rather than too early. And, and recognize a reality that everyone else sees. And I think that's what happened to their offense this season. Finally, they were just faced with the reality of not only is it not working now, we can't see much of a ceiling on this or why it would work going forward. Uh, we're pretty much to the stage of a last stand. Let's do something. But I'll also say this. you know, A lot of people are trying to portray that the Cowboys like saved their season with this win over Philadelphia. All they did was was made themselves viable and a part of the conversation for another week. Uh, if they lose to Atlanta, I don't, I don't think the win in Philly means anything. Now you're still sitting here without a winning streak all season. It's win-loss, win-loss. You haven't been able to put anything together. David, sort of streak. David, we're, we're going yeah. to we're gonna have to cut you off and let you go talk to your roofer now. Go tell him okay. about your, your theories. 
we're, we're now out of time. You have officially talked us into a... Uh, we're good. I was trying to run out the clock. Nobody runs out of clock. David, what, you, we David. Can tell you, what we can tell you this is, is Kevin and I will be there on Sunday. Well, good. Now, now we can talk forever. <laughs> we can <barely laughs> talk forever. So, David, let's go into again. Are we going with composite shingles? <laughs> Or or slate or shaker. Listen, uh, apparently on, all hell has broken loose here in the studio. Um, I just want you to know. That come a few minutes Sunday, ago, Evan fell asleep right in the middle of the podcast. Come Sunday, <laughs> Kevin and I will be there as reinforcements for you to help you get through another week with the Cowboys. Yet. Yeah, it's going to be good stuff. I feel unlike the Cowboys. I feel I made my last stand about five or six years ago. So I've been, I've been operating week to week ever since then. Do you think? Do you think everybody's going to be real happy to see me out at the Cowboys? You know, since I had that long career as a Cowboys beat guy. I don't know why they wouldn't be. Well, okay, actually, I do. Yeah, I was going to say that wasn't hard for me, David. I don't know what, how about you, but that could lead to some of the fun on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, that's right. They all stuff. love me so much. Um, all right. Well, this has been great. It's it's been a lovely day. Uh, we talked about the Rangers. We talked about the colleges. Um, apparently, you guys talked about the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> the great part about this is this is the podcast that is actually on YouTube. So if you tune in on YouTube, you can see Evan fall asleep in the middle of a podcast. It is really. Really good. And see, I'm looking across the table at that. And so I'm listening to Dave, and I'm trying to concentrate on David and all those really smart things he's saying. And then and I'm looking across here, and, and Mopey is, is asleep. So, anyway. I'm still, we're still getting used to the new house. It's been some odd hours. Um, I really don't have any excuse. I, I'm, I, it's a good thing I didn't start snoring, I guess. Um, yeah, that would have been good. But, Which is a departure for me because usually people fall asleep reading my stories, not listening to me talk. I, it was we were an hour into Kevin at that point in time. So, <laughs> well, wow. Um, anyway, it's uh, it's eleven twenty. Brian, it, is it okay for us to go now, Brian? Oh, we can oh, just Brian, go forever. <laughs> all right. So, in the next hour of Cowboys podcast. All right, apparently we're, we're going to sign off. There isn't anybody coming in here today to uh, take the studio. Um, David, it, it's been a pleasure to be with you and your roofer. Yeah. Um, watch the nails in the driveway after yeah. he's done. Tell, me, tell him you want uh, that, uh, what do you call that stuff that's, uh, that you put on the, on the decking? On the oh, yeah, the stuff. <laughs> What's that, whatever, that, that shiny stuff they put on, on the there? Decking. Yeah, it's that shiny yeah, stuff. Yeah, All right, yeah, get good. the shiny Radiant stuff. Radiant barrier, that's what it's called. Radiant it's barrier. Shiny stuff on the decking. Yeah. Right. Radiant. Say that, you just go out there and you'll sound a lot smarter. No, that's who actually released Sophisticated Tackler <laughs> no. was Radiant Barrier. He's a sophisticated tackler. You can't get this kind of of analysis any place else. Ooh, sophisticated tackler. Well, all I heard all I heard all during the Texas Oklahoma during the Texas West Virginia game from my stepson was there's no gap integrity here. There's no gap integrity. <laughs> Oh, man. So I said, did you get that from Gruden? He said, no, everybody uses that. Oh, everybody does all the time. All so, the time. Anyway, for our time. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been great, David. It really has been.
been wonderful. And, you know, Kevin wrote that this was going to be a great podcast several weeks ago. I'm going to tell you something. I never wrote that. (laughs) Nor would I. Nor would I. We will uh, see you on Sunday, David. Okay, sounds good. Look forward to it. All right, guys. So that's it for the podcast, Kevin. Unless you have any parting thoughts or declarations, <laughs> I'm trying to think of, of that poem I recited in high school. I mean, I, maybe it, I could do that now. That, at this point good, in time, Brian? I think we owe it to Brian to basically torture him by staying here as long as we yeah. possibly can. I love that he gave us that universal sign I for that's talk what more. We're doing, well, yeah, that's right. This this means talk more. Yeah, well, it was after the illegal procedure. Yeah, it usually is that. It's yeah, a false start. Yeah. It does that now? Now, now there was that. All right. So, Brian, we're okay. Now he's giving us the the throat slap. We are doing, Brian. We're doing this. No more of this. We're doing this. We're waving bye bye. The cameras have been turned off. So long, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Until next time, sports fans. We'll see you.